Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and will increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Well, welcome to the Side Action, episode 63 in season two. That's episode 27. For those counting, this is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. Uh, you can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter. So, Action, uh, I mean, I hope you had a nice weekend because you got a big one coming up with the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was very relaxing. Made it out to Ann Arbor for a little visit on Saturday with our mutual friend, Jen Hoffman. Did some climbing. Oh, yeah, at Jen. the uh, Planet Rock Gymnasium. So I got my sweat in, and then uh, college hoops abound, certainly. Other than that, it was pretty uh, relaxing. Lounged around. Definitely a down day, all day Sunday, hearing about the news of Kobe's passing. So that kind yeah, of took a toll on me, as I'm sure it did all sports fans across our listenership. Absolutely. It was a dark day and continued, you know, morning across america but especially for his family and as you know i, I wrote about it in the mm-hmm. weg's pool about how abhorrent the media was in that situation so not that they're listening to me but i just really disappointed in how that goes these days and just how the family had to find out via twitter and they didn't have any facts and they're spewing all this stuff it's just horrible so yeah um you know but it, it's good to show you know everybody cared for the guy and he's really a 20-year NBA player, you know, tons of, you know, all-star games and all-NBA teams. So, I mean, certainly one of the greatest and did a lot for his community and his family. So Absolutely. So, so yeah, uh, sure. on a lighter note, how was your weekend in NYC? It was really fun. I mean, I, I've only been there a few times in my life. Uh, I'm lucky enough and I've gone there last, you know, once a year, the last couple of years now. And this time with a new friend and, and got to see some other places. Went to Soho for some Jamaican and hit the Bronx a lot. That was awesome. Some really great places in the Bronx, you know, Miss Galleria and uh, saw a tapas place that had live music that we checked out on Saturday night and got to see my buddy sing and his family with his two kids and they're six and four and, and they, um, they're great kids. They're super cute girls. They're just like, Uncle Jim and yeah jumping on me and play with me let's play this you know game and i'm like okay after like 15 minutes i'm like man i'm tired <laughs> like these kids are wearing me out man i know why my my buddy looks uh, tired all the time so but great time new york is such a fun place and if i made a lot more money sure i'd, I'd go there in a heartbeat because uh it's a good time but i'm ready to get into this weekend you know, get back to chicago and and maybe win some money in the super bowl yeah it's big game week we've got a lot to dissect here so we might as well jump into it what do you say Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so let's just go over the episode. We'll go over college hoops, how we did last week, the action power ratings, and some games that we like before Sunday. Sunday's a big game. And then we'll go into the Super Bowl. We're going to spend a lot of time on it, both just how this, you know, we look at the side and the game, but also how you can hedge your bets if you have futures like us, and then a ton of props that are just fun because the Super Bowl is nothing like the props on the Super Bowl. Absolutely. <laughs> So we'll start off with college hoops. Looks like we had a mixed week this last week, um, about 50-50 here. Yeah, five <laughs> Some ups and, five. and downs. Uh, 
Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like, oh, uh, it looks like, you know, I don't know if we, I guess we didn't rate Butler in that game, huh? Maybe we did. Um, but the, the ones we actually rated, looks like Kentucky did get the win at Texas Tech in the, uh, you know, Big 12 SEC Challenge. So that was great. Uh, took overtime to do it, though, action. That was a hell of a game. Yeah, yeah, quite a sweat. But uh, Kentucky was pretty dominant. I mean, in control throughout, uh, certainly the first half. And uh, they ended up getting to the window, catching a few points, three or four. I think it closed. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, you know, in the same challenge, Baylor, you know, well, we, I was looking to fade him there, but um, Florida was not game for Baylor, and, and Baylor took him on a body bag in Gainesville, mm-hmm. and they beat him by like 19 points in that game. And with Baylor led wire to wire, and Florida did not look good in that game. So you're going to have to wait for another team to try to take out Baylor. Yeah, uh, that was quite an impressive performance over the weekend. Certainly caught me off guard. I was expecting Florida to jump out on them and give Baylor a game, but the Bears really led throughout, and uh, they were in control and even stretched the lead out to double digits in the second half. So very impressive by Baylor, and they followed it up with another impressive win the other night at Iowa State. you got to say that team is primed for a number one seed. They are. They're definitely looking like a number one. Uh, of course, they still got several games in the Big 12 in the tournament to do it, the Big 12 tournament, so... We'll see what happens, but, man, they are good, and um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We've got a winner here with Illinois. We talked about them going to Michigan, and, and they look good again. Uh, and your under also hit at 139, so good call on both those sides. Uh, action. That was a pretty easy winner on the under there. And uh, Illinois, again, another great road performance by the Fighting Illini. Second place in the Big Ten, and um, yeah, they've been uber impressive and I think the most fascinating thing about them is how Underwood has completely changed their style with the big man Kofi Coburn in the middle. They don't run and gun and play that havoc defense nearly like they did last season. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting. I mean, we talked about, what is it? It's Livers who's hurt. Is that right? Yeah. And, and again, he got hurt uh, the previous game and sat out for the weekend against Illinois. Yeah, and they're not sure when he's going to come back. So that team is, is a team to look at, especially with the totals you know, under and then maybe to fade. We'll see. Maybe there's a spot this week, too. That's too bad because, you know, that team, I obviously dogged them early in the season with Juwan Howard being the coach, being kind of a, a new coach, but it's more that the talent, you know, you got to have the talent on the floor. And the Big Ten, I mean, right now, Lenardi's got like you know, 12 teams or something from the Big Ten in the big dance. So sure. they're all, every night is a tough game, so. And your uh, Dayton Flyers came through as well. They had a tough test at Richmond, but they were game again. They covered that six points easily on Saturday. And they may be a team that also could sneak into a number one or at least a number two seed in the big dance. Yeah, that would be cool. I really like this Dayton team. And Obi Toppin, the big guy, is probably the number one player in America right now. So I Mm -hmm. certainly could see them getting a number one seed as well. Yeah, exactly. They're in the mix. A lot of these kind of off teams that we'll talk more in the index or your power ratings about. Uh, Florida State did not come through. Virginia came through on Tuesday night. They actually played really well, shockingly. Um, <laughs> you didn't think they had it in them still, but um, I'm not sure if this is more a mark of Florida State just kind of having a down day or Virginia starting to pick it up a little bit. But uh, Florida State was not ready to play, and Wahoo's got the win. Yeah, um, I watched this one wire to wire and uh, really kind of kicked myself because Florida State jumped out early in the first half. They were up three, four, five points in a 
low-scoring affair like could have been predicted, but uh, really had mm-hmm. an opportunity to jump in on Virginia at uh, some plus money there and didn't get it done. So uh, bad uh, in-play pass for me, but uh, Virginia did, uh, turned it on in the second half, and they started making some shots, especially your guy Diakite knocked down a couple of crucial yeah. three-pointers late in the game, and ultimately that was the difference. That's awesome. You know, I like that guy. Uh, and then, obviously, Rutgers came through again. They've just been really good at home. Um, but the under did not hit in that one. Uh, but it was close. It was 118, and I guess it hit to 120. So just that was a bad beat for you. Yeah, Rutgers really uh, playing good offense. And Purdue didn't show up in the first half, but I think the problem was their offense started falling uh, in the second half, which pushed that one over the total. Mm-hmm. One game that didn't work out so good on both ends was West Virginia going to Texas Tech. Texas Texas Tech has been flailing lately, but they played really well against that West Virginia defense, and that game shot way over. What was the final, 170 or something? The total was 121. I'm not really sure what happened this game. What was the final, like, I don't know, in the 80s? 89-81, Texas Tech That's insane. Yeah. What the hell happened in that game? Nobody was playing D for once. Well, I can tell you, because uh, I heard it on the radio today, 75 total free throw attempts, Wegs. What? 75. Oh, terrible. Yeah. So. That kills us under betters <laughs> with that kind of, they're calling it tight, I guess. Yeah, I'll say. Definitely can't win an under with a box score like that. So I think that's all we can really say about that game. Wow, that, that makes sense. That was probably also the longest college game in the history of time with that 75 free throws. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't we go over the action power ratings this week and see if there's any been any major changes. Yeah, not a ton. Duke at the top still, although they are being pulled back to the pack. Gonzaga nipping at their heels now at number two, followed by Kansas at three. West Virginia is four, and Baylor five. Michigan State at six, and then a couple of your small market teams. You have Dayton at seven, San Diego mm-hmm. at eight, and then nine and ten are Louisville and Maryland. So interesting. Um, a couple of these teams that are uh, mid majors per se in name: uh, mm-hmm. Gonzaga, Dayton, and San Diego State. Very solidly into the top ten now. Well, when you kind of look at, and Lenardi's reflecting this too. Palm is. I, I follow both. Jerry Palm and Joe Lenardi for Bracketology, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's it may be a record low year for, like, the ACC, even though Duke's at the top of your metric sure. and they have Louisville in there. I mean, there's only, like, four or five teams that they're counting in for sure, which really opens the door for other leagues in general. And so I'm not sure. Usually the ACC winner would be an automatic one seed, right? Mm-hmm. But – with teams like, I mean, obviously, San Diego State could go undefeated until the tournament. Dayton's only lost a couple games. And uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga's got one game, right? Right, yeah. So, yeah, so Gonzaga's got lost one game. I mean, those three teams combined only lost three games all season. And they played tough non-conference opponents for the most part. It's hard to see, you know, put those teams anywhere below the two line, at least. Um, I mean, we still have to see the rest of the season, but... They're also playing really well. Your index is showing it. Ken Palm's showing it. So, you know, if somebody's not paying attention right now to college basketball, when they come to March, they're going to see these teams that they don't know, and they're probably going to pick against them. Might be a big mistake. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it will be hard-pressed to have a team like Duke right now with those three losses, including one at home to Mm -hmm. Stephen F. Austin, if you recall. 
ahead of anyone like Baylor, Dayton, or San Diego State. So, and certainly Gonzaga. So it's going to be very interesting if these teams can stay unblemished for the most part where the seeding will end up. That's right. Well, let's go into our games for this week. We love the Friday night action. Thank you, Action, for putting one on there. It was a tough one to find for me. Uh, so why don't you go over the, the pick of the week for that Friday night action? Yeah, usually we go to the Big Ten, and uh, mm-hmm. no Big Ten games this Friday night. So we're going to the other Midwestern League, which I like quite a bit, the Horizon League, where I've got Northern yeah. Kentucky facing off at Green Bay. And I like the Norse in this game. Ken Palm has Green Bay about a two-point favorite. Um, and Northern Kentucky is coming off a just butt whipping that they took at the hands of the league leaders, Wright State last week. I believe they lost by 30 or 40 points and I fully expect them to be uber focused in this one on Friday night. And, um, they are superior in a lot of statistical categories, but I think the number one is really on offense where they're going against the Green Bay defense, who is in the bottom 300s of Division One basketball. Oof. So I think uh, Northern Kentucky is going to find quite a bit of success inside the paint and um, mm-hmm. be able to win this game. Really, ultimately, all they have to do is win to cover that two-point spread. Right, it's a short number there for you. Mm-hmm. Can't really speak to the Norse this year, but I will say that over the course of tracking you know, bracketology for the last three, four years, they're always at the top of the horizon. They're a really good squad. I wish I knew the coach's name because he probably will get a job here somewhere else soon. But uh, can't fault you for a two-point, you know, short favorite on the road there to a terrible team in Green Bay. All right, well, let's go over some other squads that we like this weekend, or at least I identified. A lot of games on Saturday action, which is what we love. You know, we mm-hmm. love the Saturday action too. Um, so we've got uh, – St. Mary's is going to BYU, and BYU is actually, they're quietly having a hell of a season. It's one of these things like hope they make the tournament. You know, they're obviously overshadowed by Gonzaga in their um, conference. And St. Mary's has kind of been the team that's almost like the automatic number two from the West Coast Conference. Sure. But BYU is way better, at least in Ken Palm. I don't know how you see it. You're showing this as a five-point, they're actually a five-point favorite at home. Maybe that's a bigger number than I would have liked to take, but... I do like the Cougars in general, and uh, probably well, five's a big number, but I would definitely look to back them if it's closer lower than this. Yeah, I mean, um, I've got them pretty much dead even, but you do certainly get a fair amount of home court advantage there playing in uh, Provo. And I think uh, I did read that their superstar Yoli Childs is now back and fully fit and has played the last several games. He had been absent for quite some time, so they're obviously going to get a boost in that department. But they will have a pretty good advantage on the offensive end of the court. Uh, That St. Mary's team, Mm -hmm. for all they do offensively, is not very good on defense, uh, middle of the pack in terms of D1. So I think that uh, BYU will certainly be able to have some success in this one. Nice. Of course, that'll be an interesting total, right? Mm -hmm. Both these teams are in the top 15 of (laughs) offensive efficiency, so they're going to score the ball, which is always fun to watch. Um, how about this one? This one, you may have put this one on here. So Houston is going to Cincinnati. Houston is now on top of the AAC. And who do you like in this one? I'm going to go with the road Cougars here. Kelvin Sampson and his team are definitely the class of this conference. And they've already proven that they can go on the road and win in a big, tough spot when they beat Wichita 
on the road earlier this season. Um, this mm-hmm. Houston defense is really the main part of my handicap. They're 18th ranked in defensive field goal efficiency. And um, mm-hmm. I think that this Cincinnati team is a team on offense where they really like to get inside the paint. They don't shoot a ton of threes. And that is just playing right into the hands of this Houston Cougars defense where they are 12th in the nation in defending two-point field goals. So, uh, and, and number one on, in block defense. So I think that uh, Houston's defense will come up big in this one. And I think that they'll be able to win this game on the road and cover that one point. Yeah, that's a short number, and they're actually. Were well, you saying cover? Or they're actually. Getting yeah, the one you're right. Point, they're right? Uh, projected out plus one by Ken Palm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's Houston's a better team. Obviously, Cincinnati can be nasty, uh, but it's a different team this year. It's not. Uh, what's the dude's name? Dude from he's playing at UCLA, Cronin. So Cronin was the coach last year. It's a different coach. So I'm sure they have some good talent, but Houston's returning some players, and Kelvin Sampson's got his squad playing. So. If you're getting points, that's definitely a good pick. Um, the next, I'm just uh, kind of going on a, a narrative that, that you love anyway. Um, Syracuse has traditionally been really tough against Duke. Duke is going to Syracuse on Saturday, and right now we're showing that as a seven-point underdog mm-hmm. at home. Um, and Dukes can't shoot the ball that great. I mean, they're a really good team, but they're not a great three-point shooting team, and you have to do that against this zone unless you have – just superior, you know, guys who can penetrate the zone. And even though Syracuse is not as good as maybe past years, they're still, you know, in the mix in the top 40, I suppose, in Ken Palm. So I definitely take those points at home with Q's. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse is a team who's been on a roll lately. They've covered now seven in a row, and they're playing some pretty good basketball, especially uh, as underdogs. You look back here the, of mm-hmm. those last uh, count of six covers in a row, excuse me, they were underdogs in uh, four of those games. So you're looking at them catching seven points at home. I certainly think that it's a good spot for the Orangemen, and uh, that zone certainly can give a lot of teams trouble when they try to shoot the three-pointer. I do think that uh, Duke is going to have a little bit of success in the rebounding department. Just looking at these numbers here, they're 11th ranked mm-hmm. in offensive rebound, and as you know, uh, rebounding defensively out of that zone can be problematic sometimes. Put a body on a man. Yeah. So that would be my only gotta... only pause for concern. Right. And I misspoke. They're 49th in Ken Palm okay. when I pulled it. Yeah, that weak side rebounding is the key in any 2-3 or even it's a matchup type zone. you got to put a body on somebody, but it's it's hard because you're scrambling, you know, if they move the ball around. So yeah, we'll see. We'll I see mean, how it goes. Historically, um, though, Duke has run into uh, quite a bit of trouble playing up at this venue. I'm just looking back head-to-head the last several seasons – You've seen uh, Syracuse win at home two out of the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. So, um, tough spot for That's this right. Duke team. Always is, always is. Um, the next one you like, Rutgers is going, uh, I guess they're hosting Michigan. The total is 135. This is a later start for the Big Ten, not the normal first half under, but you still like the first half under in this one, and you're saying it's a neutral site game. That's why yeah. it's not... Uh, Rutgers and Minnesota are playing at uh, Madison Square Garden on Saturday, and this one immediately Mm. caught my radar just because of the big neutral in front of the the venue there. Um, And, you know, (laughs) Uh on top of all that, you've got, we already talked about Isaiah Livers still out for the Michigan Wolverines. Their offense has been very poor lately. Xavier Simpson was also 
suspended in the last game for a violation of team rules. So definitely someone to Mm. monitor for that Michigan side. But you're also looking at a Rutgers team who is just stellar on defense, 10th ranked defensively and 20th ranked against defensive field goal percentage shooting. And uh, I think that they are going to keep this scoring down in the first half. I like it to go under my projection of 61. That's a low total, but uh, both teams, I mean, Rutgers plays really good D, so I guess it's like not a home game, but they're closer mm-hmm. than Michigan. <laughs> Interesting neutral site location there. Um, one that I picked up this week that we just talked about before the pod, because I kind of miswrote it on the outline, is Kentucky's going to Auburn. Uh, Auburn is projected to be a three-point favorite at home on Saturday. But I like this Kentucky team. I think they're playing good again. Uh, they, they won a Texas Tech last week. They definitely have the strength inside and on the perimeter to defend this Auburn team, who's definitely cooled off after that red-hot start. So even though three points is a big number, I definitely will take those points. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky is certainly prepared to go into Auburn and face off against this team. I think we've talked about how Auburn is vastly overrated the last few episodes of this Mm -hmm. podcast, and it shows by their recent performance they're only – two and five against the spread in their last seven games. And uh, although this is Mm -hmm. uh, certainly a spot where you're going to see Bruce Pearl's team get up for a big opponent like Kentucky, I think that Kentucky is going to be successful in this game, especially on offense where uh, the Auburn Tigers don't really play too much defense. That's right. (laughs) So maybe an overplay. Um, Besides that, I do like the home cook in, uh, in a couple more matchups action. We've got Oregon going to Stanford. Uh, this is an interesting game. Oregon is definitely gets all the shine in terms of the national perspective, but Stanford's had a pretty good season so far, and they're 11-1 and one at home. That kind of stood out to me that, obviously, if they're a short favorite, which is you're projecting a one-point favorite in that game on Saturday, that I'll still take that. I think Stanford is going to – they still, at the top of the Pac-12 – looking like they can make the tournament 11 and one and beating Oregon would definitely really help their resume. I got to be honest. I've kind of seen the Stanford team pop up on my radar, but I haven't really focused on them at all. Mm -hmm. I can't say that I've watched a minute Mm -hmm. of them play this season, but their numbers really do jump out at you, especially on the defensive side of the ball and they're ninth ranked in defensive efficiency. Yeah. So I think the question is going to be, do they have somebody who can match up with Peyton Pritchard? The do-it-all point guard for the Oregon Ducks is really the engine behind them, and when he plays well, they play well. So I do think that uh, if you can find Stanford at such a low number here at home, there's probably some good value. You also have it being Saturday night. This Oregon team is going to come off of Mm -hmm. a a road game uh, tonight, Thursday, and then having to go to Stanford Mm -hmm. for that second, what is ultimately a back-to-back on the road, is a tough spot for them. That's right. There, Cal, that's right. That's a good point. That's kind of like a little mini road trip for them going to Cal and then Stanford. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like a back-to-back in the NBA, right? So Yeah, I think they typically set up all the Pac-12 games like that. They have the, the weekend road trips where they play, you know, at the Arizona schools Thursday, Saturday, or Thursday, Sunday. Right. It's kind of standard for their schedule. It's nice. The other uh, home game I'm looking at is to go against your team, even though they're my team in Illinois. Uh, Illinois is going to Iowa on Sunday. This is before the Super Bowl. You can watch this game, you know, before your Super Bowl party. And um, it's looking like Iowa's projected as a six-point favorite. To me, it's all about Luka. Uh, Illinois is really 
playing great, no question, but they don't have the size to match up with this guy. And Luca's just quietly, not really quietly, we've been talking about him. I think he's pushing Cassius Winston for player of the year in the Big Ten. So I don't know what you think about this one. Six may be a big number, um, but if it's a little bit under this, maybe <laughs> I'll definitely take it if it's under six. Uh, six seems like a big number, but I like Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I, I see where you're going with this, but uh, I can't get behind you on this one. I really like this mm-hmm. Illinois team, and I, I do think that the number, if it is indeed six, is a little bit high. Yeah. The problem I have with Iowa is they just don't play any defense at all. I've bet them yeah, I know. the last several games and the last two home games they played, they had to struggle to get to the victory line. And um, I think that uh, this Illinois team, they have the size with Coburn to match up with Garza. And defensively, mm-hmm. they are phenomenal defending the paint. So I, I'm definitely intrigued to watch it. I can't wait to turn it on on Sunday. But uh, if if it does indeed look like a six, I'll probably be looking to back Illinois. Okay. It is a big number for sure, especially, and you know, those Hawkeyes, it's always an overplay unless it's a super high number. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the last one you've got? It's a Tuesday night matchup in this one. Yeah, Tuesday night uh, game I'm really excited to watch next week is Rutgers going on the road to face off against Maryland. And mm-hmm. uh, this Rutgers team is obviously one of my favorites. I think I've talked about him the last three weeks. I know, (laughs) I know. Yeah, I'm going to give you the sweatshirt up next week. (laughs) I think that their defense is really going to show up in this game. I've watched Maryland play the last couple of times, and they don't really bring too much to the table on offense. If you can shut down the point guard and um, Smith, Stick Smith on the inside, Mm -hmm. which I think that Miles Johnson and company are certainly capable to do, they can hang in this game. I also expect it to be very low scoring, which provides quite a bit of value if you're catching six points. Yeah, that's a lot of points, especially in a Big Ten game. We'll see. I mean, Rutgers hasn't been as good on the road as you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Maryland is an interesting team. I mean, I watched them against your squad, the Hoosiers, the other day, and it was like they were playing incredibly, you know, for the first half. And then they had that lull in the second half where they were getting housed. I mean, it was yeah. they were down like 15 points, but they closed that game on a run. And who's their big man in Maryland? Uh, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, mm-hmm. when he's like pointing to the court and flexing his muscles, and then Mark Turgeon's like grabbing him to pull him off the court because he's acting like a fool. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's always, you know, it's about consistency with that team. They obviously have the talent. It's just a matter of can they maintain it. And Rutgers is obviously a rugged team that. They've really shown something this year in the Big Ten. Yeah, certainly have. All right, well, let's get to the big ticket. Let's get into the uh, Super Bowl now. I mean, this is uh, definitely what everybody's listening to us for, right, Action? That's right. Prapapalooza. <laughs> Prapapalooza. You know, just for those who, you know, haven't listened to us before, um, Action and I have definitely been backing the Chiefs, like, all along, so... We'll see how we go when we go into this game. But um, it looks like you've got some information and some quotes and injury updates that we want to go over first before we get into the big game. Yeah, I've just been following the status of Tevin Coleman because he affects so much surrounding this game and certainly more so when you're trying to look at props for the San Francisco 49ers backfield or even receiving core. And it came out just late this afternoon that it appears all three players on the injury report, including linebacker Quan Alexander, Jaquiski Tart, 
and uh, running back Tevin <laughs> Coleman are going to be ready to go on Sunday, according to Coach Shanahan. Mm-hmm. And that's essential. I can't imagine that Tevin Coleman is going to be 100% with that shoulder, but sure. I mean, he definitely poses a threat, and we obviously know what Mostert can do. The the big one is Quan Alexander. Uh, he's such a key to that team, especially to stop the running game. Mm-hmm. And um, he's made a difference certainly in the playoffs. Um, so we'll see. I assume that all team, their both teams are going to be very healthy. So it's it's going to be a great matchup that way. It's going to be their best on best, which is awesome. Yeah, I didn't see any players on the Chiefs injury report. I know that the defensive lineman uh, Chris Jones is it mm-hmm. uh, had been for several weeks, but it appears he's ready to go as well. Right, with two weeks off, I'm sure. Well, let's get into uh, – well, well, first let's cover the, the basic numbers. I mean, Kansas City is a one-point favorite right now against San Francisco. The total is hovering around 54. I've seen 54.5, but that's kind of the consensus number out there in the marketplace. Um, before we go into how do we hedge, I mean, generally speaking, do you still like the Chiefs? We've talked about the Chiefs for several weeks. Uh, San Francisco's obviously played great. But do you still like the Chiefs in this game if you were didn't have other money on the line? I do, yeah. Um, I like them quite a bit. I don't think that I would go to the window and take a minus one or um, or even a pick at heavy juice, which I'm seeing on the board here. But I do right. think that Kansas City is going to win this game, specifically because Patrick Mahomes and that mm-hmm. offense. I think that they're going to be set up to have quite a bit of success throwing the ball against San Francisco. I've heard the last two weeks about how this San Francisco defensive line is vaunted and they get after Mm -hmm. the quarterbacks. But the other big factor is they play a lot of zone. And that's exactly where Kelsey and Mahomes have made a lot of their hay over the years throwing against zone defenses. So I think Mm -hmm. Kansas City is going to have a lot of success on offense. How about you? It's an interesting take. I mean, I've been a little scared. I mean, we've been talking about the Chiefs since I don't know what week that was, 10-11. Mm-hmm. We've just seen a big change with this team. During that time, San Francisco, who was probably the best team in the first half of the year, you know, obviously going and almost beating Baltimore and then beating the Saints on the road. After that, kind of took a little bit of a dive for me. But they were hurt. You know, they're healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this matchup boils down to, like, Really, one simple thing: Can San Francisco, with the four linemen, get to Mahomes? Yeah. And and if they can't do that, I agree with you 100. They're going to get lit up because that secondary, Sherman aside, I don't think he's that great anyway. Um, they're going to get you know just nickeled and dimed or beat deep by this completely quick and fast attack. The but if they are able to you know put some pressure on Mahomes, slow down that offense, then maybe they can control the game. And the other thing that I'd like to talk about is is Jimmy G. I just don't believe in the dude. And I, I think that he had a really good game at the Saints early this year, four touchdown passes and the like. Right. But he did nothing in the playoffs. He looked really bad, actually, against Minnesota. And then, obviously, they were able to just not even throw the ball against Green Bay. I just kind of believe the Chiefs are going to stop the run enough to make him beat. You know, they have to. He's got to beat them, and I don't see it happening. So... It's hard for me to go against the Chiefs here. It's just that, you know, look at the index. They're the better team. Look at, you know, the defense is definitely better than the Chiefs. But beyond the, just the Mahomes factor, I just I just don't really see San Francisco's line dominating. But I could be wrong, you know, yeah. um, and that could be the, the downfall. So 
Um, what do you think about the total, though? 54 is the total, 54 and a half. Um, the juice is on the under now at 54 and a half at minus 115 on bet online. I, I see this as an under game. I don't know why. I, I maybe just because I'm a, you know, sourpuss. I don't. I want scoring, but yeah. I just kind of feel like it might be a little bit lower scoring than we've seen just because of you know both way both teams how they're going to attack. What do you think? Yeah, I mean certainly you see that in Super Bowls, especially early on. The first, mm-hmm. I think the narrative I've heard the last week and a half is the early part of Super Bowls start really slow and very low scoring. And uh, for that reason, I could see a little bit of an edge on a first half under. I mm-hmm. I know there was some 27 across the board, but those have for the most part disappeared. And I, I don't think I would want anything less than 27 on that side. But I, I got to be honest, I, I would lean to the under as well, but I'm not going to be betting it. At 54 or even 55, mm-hmm. I was holding out for 56 personally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I already talked about how the Chiefs offense is going to be successful. And I fear that San Francisco is going to be able to move the ball pretty well also right. against the Chiefs right. defense. So I definitely think there could be quite a bit of scoring in this game once it opens up. Mm-hmm. So how would you approach it if you're – forget about hedging. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you approach it? What do you think is the smart bet in the Super Bowl? Do you think it's to basically you know, tease San Francisco in, in the total? or I mean, what's the way to approach it if you're just looking at it? I want to make a bet or a side bet besides the props. I mean, obviously Kansas City, you know, I guess you could tease them back through the number, but that's not mm-hmm. very typical. No, no, you definitely – wouldn't want to do that. I think if you were looking to tease this game, you think it's going to be a tight contest, which I think by all accounts, everyone thinks it's going to be. You would want to look at a book where you could find the Niners at plus one and a half. I see two Mm -hmm. of them on my screen here. You could tease them six points up through the seven. That's really Mm -hmm. the only Mm -hmm. way that you want to tease this game. And and you could pair it with the the total as well. If you like Mm -hmm. the over, you could certainly take it down under that key number of 49 and uh, sure. and tease the Niners in the over. But uh, I got to be honest, I probably wouldn't recommend putting any money down on the side or the total at this point. Mm-hmm. So you feel you either wait it out or you just do in-game wagering as the best bet. Yeah, certainly. Or you could uh, look at finding some value on the props as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before we get to the props, let's talk about our hedge. You know, Action smarter than me, so he got seven and a half or seven seven and a half to one on Kansas City in his future ticket. I got six to one, so obviously we're sitting with some value here. What is the best way for us to hedge this given this game? I mean, obviously that means you got to put some money on San Francisco, right? Yeah, um, I did. If you recall, a few weeks ago, I realized we uh, it's too late for this, but uh, before the mm-hmm. NFC Championship, I did take a little position on San Francisco plus one eighty five. So I've got that ticket in my pocket. But mm-hmm. outside of that, I'm not really interested in getting any more money down on San Francisco at the current number. Um, mm-hmm. So I've gotten a little bit creative, and we can kind of roll this into our prop discussion. But mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. one that uh, jumped out at me was looking at Jimmy G. Because yep. I think that um, if San Francisco is going to be successful in this game, what's the greatest way that they can ensure them being in a winning position. And to me, that's running, running the ball. So the first one I looked at was Jimmy G passing yards. And my thought is that if San Francisco is going to be in a position to win, then Jimmy G is not likely to pass for a whole ton of yards. 
So I'm looking at betting him under the passing yardage prop of 239 and a half. The theory mm-hmm. being that if Jimmy G is going over this total, I like my Kansas City position quite a bit. And um, mm-hmm. and there's also a chance that Jimmy G goes under this total and Kansas City wins the game. So I, I sure. like it a lot, uh, irrespective of the Kansas City ticket. Gotcha. One of the ways that I looked at it, I'm not sure if you're in agreement, is that I saw some various props of margin of victory. There was actually a whole mm-hmm. slew of them. And I saw San Francisco from one to six points at plus 375, which is a lower number. There was like, you know, seven to 12 or something was plus 500. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a way I was thinking about maybe hedging because, you know, I put 10 bucks on that when 37, five, you know, if they win the game and keep it, it's a close game like we kind of expect, then that's one way to hedge it. If I think it's a full seven points, then maybe I could get more, you know, more money. But um, I don't want to go crazy, right? Um, so that's one of the ways I was looking at. It. I've never really bet on a margin of victory prop, which obviously you can lose if mm-hmm. they win by ten, you know, um, in this particular scenario. But but it's certainly something that I um, I'm considering for my position for hedging. Yeah, I like that pick a lot, actually. Um, certainly, if you're getting that kind of value, plus three seventy five. Again, mm-hmm. I think everyone is, uh, or you and I are both kind of in agreement that we expect it to be a very tight contest. So mm-hmm. um, I think that if you're getting plus 375 on that margin of victory, you're doing good for yourself. I like it. In fact, I'm going to take some notes here to remind myself to bet it later. <laughs> good, good. I got it down the outline too. So now let's, you know, we obviously already transitioned to props, but in general, from a prop standpoint for our new betters out there, what, um, you know, how do you usually approach props? I mean, you obviously you're thinking about game script. You just talked about it with Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Are you going all in on one side? Are you hedging bets a little bit? I mean, how are you approaching these props? Yeah, I certainly give a lot of thought to game script and how you expect the game to play out. Um, for example, if you, you know, in hindsight, if we knew last year's game was going to be so low scoring, you looked to bet a lot of unders. And the year before mm-hmm. that, when the Patriots played the Eagles, you would have liked to have a lot of overs in your pocket. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know the outcome of this one. So uh, I find this one a little bit tougher to gauge. And certainly there's a lot of people out there who are way smarter than me who have all kinds of data-driven models where they can project mm-hmm every player in the game and their receiving and their passing and their uh, rushing yards. But Mm -hmm. I certainly have never tried or attempted to go to that extent. So to be quite honest with you, I just try to read and listen to as Mm -hmm. much content as I can to lead me in the direction of my picks. How about you? Well, for me, I only have one out, you know, I know you have multiple outs. And so I listen on VEASAN quite a bit to various props that they're talking about. And I try to see how that compares to bet online. So there are, with this particular matchup, I think that, like many people, I don't have a clear vision of how this game's going to go. Mm-hmm. I think that the last, you know, three, four games in the playoffs, we have discussed it. I think we've been right on in terms of script of how these games are going to work. I'm a little cloudier on this one. This could work out one of two ways where San Francisco is going to just control the clock and it's going to be a tight one. It might be lower scoring. Or it could be just a shootout, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to say, you know, the two outcomes. You know, I don't think that you have a pure defensive team and a pure offensive team. I think both teams could do both both sides of that coin anyway. So it's a little hard to, to think about. But I, I targeted this year, 
I looked at certain players um, mm-hmm. that I thought, you know, I'm looking for plus value. I know that you've got some good sound advice on some regular VIG picks. Um, but I was looking at this time is if I'm going to put 10 bucks or whatever amount of money I'm going to put down, I want to win a little money, right? I mean, make it a little interesting and, and pick an outcome that could happen um, besides the joke props at the end there. Uh, so, <laughs> for example, you know, I'm targeting players that I know – I don't know what they're doing, but like the first reception. So a bet online is a slew of props. I was scrolling through them on the train today, and I'm like, okay, first reception for Debo Samuels, who I think is kind of their primary besides Kittle, right? Well, it's under 10.5 yards, and that's how most of them are set. Like Kittle's the same set at you know under it's 10 and a half yards usually. I think mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill is 12 and a half yards. To me, it's like okay, they sent a bubble screen to Debo Samuels to start the game. Probably yeah. will. You know, he only gets seven yards. You know, it's plus 100. Boom. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing I'm looking for. Whereas other guys like longest reception for Tyreek Hill, it's over 30 and a half yards. Seems like a lot of yards, but he's a big play guy. You know, it takes yeah. one shot. That's plus 115. So I like those type of props for me because, you know, at minimum, I'm not paying VIG per se. I'm just putting the money down and I might lo- win or lose it, but I'm going to win, you know, in. The Debo Samuels, it's even money, I guess. But but you know what I'm saying. I'm looking for plus money in, in, in general. Yeah, I think you're on somewhat the right track there. Uh, that perspective, all you have to do is really split on these, or even you don't mm-hmm. even have to do that well if you're looking at some of these where you're getting plus 3 or $4. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, we probably mentioned this last year, you're going to find value on going under and mm-hmm. betting the no in a lot of these props. I think the other really important thing to consider when you're looking at props is you want to find ones that are two outcomes. In other words, it's either over or under, or it's yes or no. You want to try and stay away from all the markets where you have 15 or 20 outcomes because oftentimes the books will hide a lot of VIG within those markets and you're not getting value by betting on the first touchdown score or the last touchdown Mm -hmm. score or anything like that. Okay, gotcha. Well, let's go over some of the ones that are more sound because I know you did a better job, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> you've got Mahomes rushing yards, uh, 30 and a half. And that's over, and that's minus 128. So you yeah. feel like that's a good play. I mean, obviously, it's a little more big, but it's one that can cash. I mean, he's run quite a bit in the playoffs. I've heard both sides of this argument the last week and a half, and I think the biggest one and the most important factor that I've heard is that San Francisco's defense against rushing quarterbacks have given up quite a bit of rushing yards this year, Hmm. even excluding Lamar Jackson, who had a huge game against them. They played against Russell Wilson, against uh, Kyler Murray twice, and um, there was a third quarterback in there, I believe, who ran for quite a bit of yardage. And Mahomes has also been looking to run a lot more the last few weeks since his knee has regained health. So I expect Mm -hmm. him to get outside the pocket and uh, go over this total. Okay, good. I mean, he's definitely made some moves out there. I do like that one. Another one that you like here, I'm, I'm kind of picking through a little bit, mm-hmm. is uh, Raheem Mostert, anytime to score a TD, the yes is minus 175. So obviously he dominated last week. That's some heavy juice at five dimes, and that five dimes is usually a lower big. Mm-hmm. Is that one, you, you like that one too, huh? Yeah, this one's been bet up quite a bit. I think it opened early mm-hmm. at like 130 or so. And um, certainly uh, it loses a little luster with the news that Tevin Coleman is going to be in the game. 
but uh, I don't expect Brita to get very many carries. I know he's had a couple of fumbles mm-hmm. within his last several, and I think that uh, Mostert is still going to get his opportunities, and I think that this one is a little bit underpriced, so I'm betting him yes to score a touchdown. And he's a fellow Boilermaker. Why not? Oh, oh okay. Boiler up. <laughs> um, you have the same one for Damian Williams, who's an anytime TD scorer, and that can be rushing or receiving, right? So you've got a lot of possibilities there. His yes is minus 135. That certainly seems reasonable since he scored a ton in the playoffs so far. Yeah, I like this one even more than the Mostert pick, actually, because it surrounds the San Francisco red zone defense, which has actually Mm -hmm. been surprisingly weak this season, allowing their opponents Mm -hmm. to score touchdowns a lot in the red zone. And uh, Damian Williams is likely to be the biggest benefactor of that. And I think that he is going to get into the end zone on Sunday. Interesting. I agree with you. I mean, one of the ones you don't like that I probably, you know, I kind of like in this one is the first score of the game. And I know that this is always a tricky one. There could be a Mm -hmm. pick six or something and it's multiple outcomes, like Action said. But we've seen that the Chiefs have started off slowly in both of the first playoff games. So I'm looking at the San Francisco run prop so that they score the first score of the game to San Francisco rushing TD uh, for plus 500. And so you probably won't go there, but I'm considering it because it's kind of like I kind of see the script as maybe Shanahan comes out, great first drive, they get in the end zone, you know they're going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so plus 500, you know, five to one, but obviously there's a bunch of outcomes there, so it's challenging. So is that just the San Francisco rushing touchdown, five to one? Correct. Okay. Correct. So yeah. it's the first score of the game being a San Francisco run. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the last two games you've seen the Chiefs come out to like 14, 20, what was it, 24 zero yeah. holes against their opponents. Right. So I think right. that uh, if you're looking on that side, San Francisco scoring mm-hmm. first and a rushing opportunity is probably some pretty good value there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, let's look at another one you've got. This is an interesting one. You think, uh, so if the game is tied after 0-0, zero, zero, mm-hmm. the yes is minus 110. So that's really, you know, normal even money there at five dimes. So it just has to be tied at any point, 7-7, 3-3. That seems like a pretty logical one. I think it's going to be a pretty evenly matched game. So I believe mm-hmm. that there's quite a bit of value on this pick at minus 110. And to caveat that, it has to be after a conversion attempt. So you don't get it. If it's like 6 and then someone scores a touchdown, you don't get a 6-6 six, six tie. So oh, it does need, to, be, right, right, does need right. to match field goal for field goal or touchdown for touchdown. But um, okay. similarly, I think you probably could find some value on a overtime prop. I didn't look it mm-hmm. up, but I think I've heard a lot of folks think there's going to be value in this game because it is expected to be so tight. Mm-hmm. One of the ones I like kind of in that vein that we think it's a tight game is a touchdown scored on a fourth down play. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that on bet online. The yes is plus 250. Um, you know, to me, it's like you could see this, you know, they're probably going to go for fourth down more often than not in this game. Analytics aside, you got to score touchdowns to win the Super Bowl and win playoff games. And I kind of like this one. It's it's you know, it's not completely far fetched. And um, so I may go in on that one, too. Yeah, yeah, I think you're definitely doing well to get 250 on that number. I, I think that's value. Um, uh, any others that you like on here? Let's see. I mean, you've got some of the other ones. Um, this is player props. Sammy Watkins under 49.5 yards at Bovada. It's minus 110. He hasn't been great. I mean, obviously since Tyreek Hill's back, 
he's obviously like the third, maybe yeah, third, I guess fourth after Damian Williams, you know, so it makes sense there. Um, and then Kittle, you've got George Kittle over six receptions. That's minus 114 on bet online. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I do think Kittle will be a big part of the game plan. I just don't mm-hmm. know if they're going to try to just take him away. I mean, if I were the Chiefs, I would just, you know, put somebody on that dude all game and make Jimmy G find somebody besides a safety blanket, you know? Yeah. Well, the question is whether or not they choose to shut down Emmanuel Sanders or George Kittle. I think they'll probably right. look to go one of either way. But the Chiefs have been very poor against opposing tight ends this season. And, I mean, Darren Waller hit him up for a big mm-hmm. game. So I expect that George Kittle will have plenty of receptions. I looked at the yardage total, but uh, mm-hmm. it started to get away from me a little bit. So I uh, yeah. reverted back to these receptions instead, plus a lot lower VIG. I saw a couple interesting ones for sacks. And now sacks are a little bit fickle. Um, but, you know, I kind of look at it both ways that both these teams probably be thrown quite a bit um you know ideally both teams would stop the run and just you know a nice passing game especially in the second half so nick bosa sacks uh over one and a half is plus 360 that's a big number Mm -hmm. and then frank clark for kansas city it's over one and a half is plus 400 so you know i might just as they always say on Beeson, uh throw a little pizza money on there uh see what happens Okay. I like both of those angles. I think that Frank Clark has done his fair share of trash talking, so um, mm-hmm. he may have a little extra motivation out there. And um, on the flip side, uh, Nick Bosa is prob- presumably the uh, rookie of the year defensively. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that if either of those hit, you'd be looking good. That's right. Well, I don't know if you have any other real props to talk about, but I saw some funny, you know, there's a million ridiculous props out there, too. One and, more um, thing. One more thing oh, I yeah, do sure. want to add. <laughs> I haven't hit any yet, but I'm certainly mm-hmm. going to be looking again come Saturday or Sunday at some of these um, offensive players, especially for the Chiefs, to see if I could find any value going under. I think that you're going to see the public come in and drive a lot of these player props up, especially okay. interested in the Mahomes passing yards. It's currently sitting mm-hmm. at 305 or 306, but if it gets anywhere near 315, 320, I'm probably going to be looking to go under on that one, and uh, we'll probably peruse some additional as well. There you go. Well, I've heard, uh, you know, the transitioning to the ridiculous props is mm-hmm. the, you know, we talked about last week the cross sport props, which are kind of nuts. I mean, I saw any number of them on Bet Online, anything from. You know, like the heavyweight fight and the rounds, and I mean, it's it's like really anything. The hole in ones, that, you know, yeah, hole sixteen like and versus the extra point misses, and so there's anything out there. I didn't, I can't really get on board with a lot of that. It's kind of like a parlay to me, but mm-hmm. I understand why people get excited about it. There was even one about, um, like a baseball prop in the 2020 season. I'm like, I don't want to wait that long. I want to get paid that day. You know, <laughs> um. Yeah. But yeah, I like these silly ones. This was one I pulled. I know you you saw this, but you know either J Lo or Shakira side boob. <laughs> the yes is plus one forty. Come on now, let's go. We've already the cleavage is like minus money. I mean everybody's was talking about the cleavage on Vsin, but now yeah the side boob. I mean I don't know what I don't know what the definition of side boob is in this mm-hmm. case. I'd have to read the fine print, but uh, I like the or there. I would be curious how they choose to grade that one, really. I mean, is there like a measurement or uh, a close-up <laughs> shot that has to be taken to get an actual verification? What's the handicap on that, Wex? 
the handicap, the plus yeah. plus one forty. Yeah, I mean, what? Why do you think that there's going to be side boob? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, I mean, you got to figure there's going to be some skin. It's Miami, you know, and I'm sure that just sometimes you could just have a cover of the, you know, mm-hmm. of the uh, the areola, so to speak. So, I mean, there's side boob, right? I, I mean, I guess again, I'd have to look deeply into what the measurement is or the definition, but. I mean, there's obviously the other one that's crazy. The uh, what is it? The the butt cleavage that's on there too. Okay. Yes or no? Well, that's the, a two-way prop there. You make a really excellent point. I mean, there's certainly a higher propensity to show skin when you're in Miami as opposed to last year in Minnesota. So yeah, right. got that going for you. That's right. That's right. Another one I thought that was kind of interesting was uh, you know to bring it back to the Oscars and stuff is Joker, the Joker movie, which I don't know if you've seen yet, but, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's really great. And, um, so Joker Oscar awards, which is next week, uh, at plus one sixty versus Mahomes touchdown passes minus two ten. You would think that Mahomes would throw more touchdown passes. However, Mm -hmm. I mean, the Joker's definitely got one, no question. I mean, come on, Joaquin's going to win, but, they're probably on slating to win like maybe three, you know, three to four awards. So it's kind of like, can you think Mahomes is going to put up the, you know, normal four touchdown game versus uh, Joaquin and his movie? So. Wow. Yeah, I haven't really handicapped the Oscars much, but I did hear that they are allowed to take those bets in Indiana. Um, mm. It's been recent news within the market, as well as New Jersey, which they did last year. And certainly would be interesting to see. I don't know what other kind of categories the Oscar is up for, though. I'm sorry, the Joker movie. I think it got nine nominations, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Um, it, it got quite a few. Let's uh, pull it. But they, you know, art direction, stuff like that. So okay. it, it isn't just one. I heard it was several nominations, which is an actor we know. We know he's in there. Let's see. Cinematography, costume design, directing. You got to figure it's in the writing categories too. Makeup, and then it's also in editing, sound editing. Okay. Sound mixing, and then adapted screenplay. So I see seven off the cuff here. Wow. So you know, I mean, obviously it doesn't mean it's going to sweep it, but if it gets three, uh, then it's it's going to be close. You know what I mean? Like you can see Mahomes going off, of course, but. If it's a little closer play game, he's you know got to run the ball a little more instead of that you know instead of like playing man to man, they do zone, maybe run a little bit more. Who knows, you know? But that's plus one sixty. It's yeah. not a big number, but it's kind of a fun prop. If you like the under, it certainly seems like there's some value on the Joker side of that bet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, minus two ten is heavy for Mahomes. Um, right. Any other props that you thought about or are looking for? You haven't obviously committed any yet but what are you you said you're going to target under player props come sunday but anything else you're thinking about no i don't think so um probably we'll look through some of the lesser known players see if i can squeeze out a couple of little value on some unders and rushing and receiving yards um looking Mm -hmm. at that mahomes passing yardage prop um also may dabble a little bit in a missed PAT. I've seen that come mm-hmm. across the media a little bit. Some value there, perhaps, especially with the uh, expected touchdowns in this game. Um, but that'll probably be it. I'm not going to get too carried away. How yeah, about you? no, I got gotcha. you. 
Uh, not really. I mean, I, like you said, I, I think just for the game, I, I want to see the movement. I mean, it's been stuck on this minus one since when it floated down to pick them. I don't know if you grabbed that, but it's just kind of just stuck here. Um, mm-hmm. So if those people were getting that plus three, <laughs> you know, when Kansas City first rolled out as a three-point favorite against whoever, that was a good, you know, good value for the underdog there. But it's just tough, tough game to bet when it's so close like this. And also, you know, with this total that I think, like you said, is kind of in this netherland. It would be nice if it was a little lower or a little higher so we get some play. But there's a lot of professionals betting right now, and we'll probably get more, you know, obviously public bettors come Sunday especially. So you got to be watching it, you know, intently on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Definitely. I think there may be some late movement in this one. Certainly, I expect there to be some professional money on the under at some point. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I guess that wraps us up. I mean, you know, we've got a lot of watching ahead for the Super Bowl and, and college basketball this weekend. Mm-hmm. I am going to plug the event again, Action. i got to plug. Right. I mean, Let's trying to get more people. You're going to be there. We've got a special guest in action coming to the meeting made easy at the Easy Bar on 1944 West Division Avenue in Chicago in Wicker Park. Brought to you by M&M Singles, which is my group with my friend Angela. Uh, meet the good old-fashioned way. So it starts at 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock. We've got a DJ spinning some tunes. We'll have some food. And it is a cash bar, everybody. So, you know, what can I tell you? There's an entry fee. We've got to pay for the DJ. So... Um, but we'll see some people out there. Should be a great time. And um, if you can meet somebody, great. If not, just have a couple cocktails with some friends. So should be a good time. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Glad I can attend the event this year. That's awesome. Well, great, everybody. Well, good luck on the Super Bowl this weekend. Follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Good luck, everybody. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. License under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.